Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Coming up today, we'll recap the local sporting week, including highlights from hockey and triathlon. Plus, we'll be talking basketball with Pete Bozier as the local season builds to a blockbuster finish on the court at St. Sampson's. And we'll look ahead to what's going on this weekend with football, golf and motocross, the focus. Uh, my name is Tony Kerr and today I'm joined by the full team, Rob Battiste. How do Jamie Ingrill. Hello. And Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. Well, let's start, as we always do, with our highlights of the week. Uh, Gareth, let me come to you first. Um, undoubtedly, um, the moment of the week was uh, Steve Waldrum's uh, amazing drag flick, which basically uh, clinched the men's hockey title for Indies. Um, it was just to sort of set the scene a bit. Indies were 11 from 11 going into last week's game against their big rivals, Colombians. Um, it was only a matter of time before they won the league, but... Literally, the champagne was on ice. They knew they could win that, uh, win the title that day, and if it was, if they didn't lose, they would win it. But I think because of that, the tension sort of built in them, and it was probably their worst performance of the season. They were pretty dreadful, to be honest, for most of the game. Um, and with five minutes to go, it was two all. So they would have, they were still sort of set to win the title, but it would have been a big anticlimax if they hadn't won that game. And then they get a short corner with sort of five minutes to go. And there's just something about Steve Waldrum. He's such a prolific goal scorer. You just knew that he was going to take this opportunity. And he, he's actually probably the most inconsistent drag flicker you, you see over here. And um, sometimes he gets it right, sometimes he doesn't. But this one, it was absolutely perfect. It went top bin. I mean, the net was flying almost before anyone else could move. And it was just a very fitting um, culmination to what's been a very dominant season for Indies. Yeah, that champagne uh, came out of the ice pretty quickly at that point. <laughs> it was, yes. It was being sprayed around all of about five minutes later. And uh, our photographer was running for cover <laughs> when, it, when it did come out. But uh, no, they, they have been very good. And um, yeah, it, it, I mean, Steve scores the vast majority of their. The, to be honest, Indies have had firepower, which the other clubs have been envious of this year, because although Steve scores most of their goals, Josh Kendall scored several as well. And people like Alex Setters, and when he's been here, Lewis Perfit and his brother Dougal, they're, they're very good forward line. And yeah, no, no other side's been able to match them this year. And we spoke to Island men's coach Andy Good uh, a couple of podcasts ago. What's left in terms of the season? Are there still any more games to play, and how will it feed into what could be a potential sort of double-headed interinsular season next year? Yeah, there's um, there's a few more league games left. I think Indies actually they've still got pretty much a whole round of fixtures left to go, and there there is a cup competition still ongoing. So there's there's more silverware to be won. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the rest of the season will sort of culminate over the, the next few weeks, and then they'll have the summer break and. The, the aim is to have a, an interinsular at either end of next season, so they'd be pretty much coming straight into it in September. Good stuff. Jamie, your highlight of the week? So, yeah, we've had the triathlon and more specifically duathlon season starting over the course of the weekends, um, both locally and abroad. Uh, Looking out to Wales, we've had Josh Lewis begin his multi-sport season. It's been now been 19 months since he's contested the triathlon and duathlon, but he returned to the podium over weekends. A bit of an unusual one in that he was second over the line, but is officially credited with third. Uh, due to COVID restrictions, they changed the rules a little bit and effectively null and voided transitions. So I would argue he deserves second. But the fact of the matter is that someone had spent a bit longer in transition, apparently resting, and was credited with 
seconds for covering the cycle run everything fast for them. There's something slightly dodgy about that, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> take advantage of the uh, loopholes. But, and then locally, uh, three athletes actually coached by his coaching setup entire. Um, they filled the podium slots. Uh, they're all up and coming to athletes. So that was Dave Mosley winning, having come from behind on my bike and leading the run through um, Chris Norman and Thierry Lichemont, relegating James Travers and established local store to fourth. Right, good weekend for, for Josh Lewis then and his charges. What, what about the women's side of things? Uh, domestically, it was Megan Chapel. She put in a good show locally, being our premier triathlete nowadays. She won the women's race rather convincingly from Sammy Yendel and Izzy Grierson. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Rob, not so much highlight of the week for you, a sort of moan of the week. Yeah, unfortunately, all the um, the football I've seen over the last week has been quite mediocre, uh, to be honest. No spectacular goals, no fantastically moments of skill to um, to get me drooling. Um, but I have my my main groan of the week would be and it's nothing to do with Guernsey to be honest but it, well, it may well integrate its way into Guernsey eventually um, is this ridiculous notion that the future cricket or in the hundred wickets won't exist anymore they're going to be replaced by outs and whilst trying to get excited by the prospect of the hundred concept um, I think it's getting a bit stupid now. Um, <laughs> um, and seem to be turning the sport every year towards baseball. And um, now, certainly as far as the, the Guernsey press is concerned, and as long as I have anything to do with it, we'll no, there'll be no such thing as outs in cricket reports. Uh, Gareth, you're going to try and sneak a couple in this summer? I, I do wonder if I can just sort of get one in there. That's a bit of a challenge for the rest of the summer, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'll have to ask a few of the island guys to get, um, put it into a quote or something so they can't get taken out. It's bad enough with batters. <laughs> and we're not far off the cricket season. How, how do you feel about things like T10 and, and that, that sort of, uh, um, yeah, the razzmatazz no, of that, I'm, Rob? I'm, 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 I'm definitely not a T10 person, um, unless it's an evening cricket and it's an absolute ma- um, necessity because of the shortage of light or something. No, I'm a, uh, and I'm not a big fan of T20, to be honest. Um, give me a good old-fashioned 50-over game or championship or test match any day. <laughs> he spent most of the week reminiscing about the college field and the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> No outs there. No no outs there. (laughs) Well, thanks, guys. Good rundown of the week. Uh, Coming up next, we'll be talking basketball, a sport that's been uh, bounced around a bit by the pandemic, you could say, but could provide some big highlights over the next few weeks as the local season reaches an exciting conclusion. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Now, name a role within Guernsey basketball, and today's guest has probably filled it. Whether it be as player, coach, official, sponsor or committee member, he's been there and done it. In this disrupted season, as well as competing with title-chasing Le Monsat on court, he holds the integral and probably unenviable position of fixtures coordinator. And there are a few people, if any, who know the current ins and outs of local basketball better than him. Uh, welcome to the Guernsey Press Sports Podcast, Pete Bosier. Thank you very much, Tony. Great to see you. Uh, I mentioned um, in the first part about the exciting conclusion potentially in store at the top end of men's basketball this season. Uh, Just give us the lay of the land and and how things are settling down. Oh my goodness. So what we try to do is make sure that we could have all teams competing as fair as possible going into the end. Um, Looking at the men's division one, 
We had certain teams, Mayside, for example, who had to play more games than others, just the way that the fixtures have fallen. Um, my team, Le Mans Saint, we played Mayside on Monday night and luckily got the victory, uh, which is what we needed to do in order to continue to be in the hunt. But now we're very reliant on other results to go our way if we're going to hopefully either win outright or go into a playoff scenario. Yeah, so potentially, as I understand it, we could have a three-way playoff in Men's Division 1. We could. Um, we haven't organised a structure for that yet because we want to see how it pans out. But basically, if Mayside win their two remaining games against Skipton, they'll win outright. If Skipton win their two remaining games, they'll win outright. If they happen to win one each, we have a three-way tie, which we've never had in the history of Guernsey basketball before. Oh, something to look forward to. Uh, you know, we, we said about the, the disruption that's been caused, particularly to, to your sport uh, over the last year. Um, it's been pretty substantial, and, and particularly this season with losing, um, losing the court at Beausajour to the, the vaccination centre, which is, of course is very important. Um, but ju just gives a sense of, of how tricky it has been to, to, to get through to this point and, and actually to kind of work out a plan for how to finish things. So we came out of lockdown in 2020 and we thought we were very lucky to finish the season outright. Um, we then start up again in October as we normally would and then we had the hurdle of finding out Beaujour was going to be the vaccine centre. Um, went through the motions of that, um, managed to secure St Sampson's High School other than having to change the day of our games. Um, we found another home as a temporary measure. Um, then lockdown two happened <laughs> and then um, again we had another hurdle that we had to try and try and work out. I think the thing for us with lockdown two was the fact is we were really unsure when we'd be able to start again um, and with using the school we had to factor in school holidays rather than having Beausajour as a permanent venue. Um, so yeah so we we're just trying to work out the best and fairest way to try and finish our season um, not just for our top divisions, because we've also got a factor in the development league, the more social leagues like Division 2, our future stars. So we had to try and weigh everything up to make it as fair as possible for all teams across the leagues, uh, which is, there's 20 of them in total. And how important is it to you guys to, to do that? Because... You know, some people would say, oh, you know, it, it's just a game, but it's, this is a, a sport that a lot of people give a lot to and are very committed to, so to have that fair outcome at the end of the season. And I think that's the important thing, is we're all volunteers at the end of the day. Um, we love our sport, we'd all love it to be our full-time job, but unfortunately it's not. And a lot of time goes in, it's the factoring of those volunteers on the day. It's not just a case of the players turning up to play that day. We've got timekeepers, we've got scorers, we've got referees. Now at the school, the caretaking has to have everything ready for us. So there's a huge pool of people who need to get things organised in order for our basketball games to take place. Um, and that's the people that we really wanted to consider. It's all good, everyone turning up and playing, but it's also those people who also give that time and give their effort back to help us be up and running. Um, so when we're trying to decide how we're going to do it, it's like... Yes, we could have completed our season, but we would have been going well into August. And at the end of the day, would those volunteers be happy giving up their Monday or Friday nights to be stuck in a gym when it's a nice evening when they could be at the beach or having time with their families and friends?
Yeah, balancing acts, I'm sure. Um, you, you mentioned uh, the win over Mayside, 85-68 uh, the other day. Just how competitive have things been at the top end? Not clearly very in, in terms of uh, the standings, but in terms of the level of competition. Yeah, I think the standards have been high again this year. We redrafted at the beginning of the season to try and even teams out. Um, we've had a few injuries again this year. Mayside have been hit massively by losing Jason Hooper. Um, who's arguably one of the most naturally gifted point guards Guernsey's ever seen. His three-point ability is phenomenal. Um, he's got back injury. We generally don't know when he'll be back. Um, Martin Yabsey was due to play this year, but doctors advised that he took another year off, um, especially with the Island Games not being for another two years. He's really desperate to get himself fit for that um, and is due to have actually a knee surgery later this year. Um, Shek Shakubu Sese came back from an Achilles injury so we've had a lot of big injuries that have occurred um, Milan Monson team we've been very lucky we've been injury free um, if we do end up losing the league by results not going our way and not having a playoff unfortunately it would have been to a one point loss to Mayside back in October which would be devastating <laughs> to have lost on but to lose a game by one point shows how close it is. Like We see professional outfits all the time going to overtime and having close games, and we do have those close games in Guernsey. The score the other day didn't reflect how close it was. At one point, we were up at 20 points. We then only had a lead of five or six points at one point. Gareth was there. I always find quite remarkable about watching sort of local basketball is that in any game between basically the top three, you can open up gaps of 20 points, what have you, but you know that it's not over, you know, and if, if somebody perhaps fouls out with, with a quarter to go or whatever, you can make all the difference and you really have to keep going until the end. I mean, the other day I remember when um, Agris hit his three-pointer right at the start of the final quarter, I was thinking, well, that's it. Yeah. And then five minutes later, you guys hadn't scored another point. Right. So, you know, it, it does show how it, can, it swings and roundabouts. It really can and it is, that's one of the great loves I have for basketball is the fact is you never know what's going to happen. You can never turn up to a basketball game and think, I'm going to win. Because you could be 20, 30 points up at half-time and it could swing and you could lose that game by one point. And it really can. And like you said, the deciding factor is people getting fouled out because if you commit five fouls, you're done. There's no coming back on. It's the equivalent of getting a red card in football. Um, so, yeah, if you lose one of your key players you're in trouble or if they're in foul trouble they might not defend as hard as they normally would because they're worried about being taken out the game um, so yeah they, you never know what's going to happen on the basketball court it's also amazing I find how people like Agris and like Max Hamon I mean and Hoops as well they can get on a run of scoring and certainly at St Samson's High the um, uh, the rings there are far more unforgiving, aren't they, than than both is yours. So you have to be right on your right yeah. on your radar. Very much. The the backboards of both is your glass, um, and it's a massive, thick, perspex glass. So you have the advantage of using that backboard. The wooden ones at St Sampson's, as Gareth saw the other day, the ball bounces off that, and you don't know where it's going. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes it more difficult for rebounding and. Like normally, you can gauge where the ball's going to come. Yeah. Like I had an instant the game in the game this week. I was like, the ball's definitely going to bounce in my hand, and it went out of bounds yeah. because 
the when it hits the backboard, you generally don't know. <laughs> which isn't which is one of the reasons why St. Sampson's isn't ideal for us to play our games there, but as a temporary base we're more than happy. It also has the worst buzzer in Gersen. It does have the it worst the, buzzer. The worst system. noise anyone could ever wish to hear. Every time <laughs> a quarter ends or whatever. I mean, bars, you're not, you're not going to sleep through a basketball game anyway because they're usually pretty exciting, but that would wake you up at a start. It's a horrible noise. It's dreadful. Yeah, we, we definitely want to get a new one of those before the Iron Games in a couple of years. <laughs> and how are, things, uh, yeah, how are things shaping up on the women's side? Yeah, women's side um, is pretty much a foregone conclusion. Ravens cross has had a phenomenal year. Um, Tim Howden's done such good work with that group of girls. Um, he took a very young and experienced team, bar probably a few island players like Emma Hicks and Katie Cochran um, five years ago, and they just haven't looked back. Um, they've had a couple of years where they've been fortunate with other teams having injury, like Lamont St. Lost Verona Tomlin for a long period when her Achilles snapped. Um, which was a massive fact for them. Kat Dawn for the Saint dislocated her finger. She was out for six months. Um, so there has been factors, but on a whole, that team has just been phenomenal. They gel together well. They've got a massive wealth of experience, but also youth as part of that team. And Tim just, they seem to really gel as a team. Um, and they look phenomenal. It's, but again, in the women's game, they're dominating. You look at the table, they're six games out of six with the win, but I think they won a couple of them only by two or three points. Yeah. So you they generally were, don't know. They were training by half time, uh, half time this week against yeah. um, Pumas. Um, but like you say, with, with the Ravens, um, I mean, they've been champions for five years on the trot, but they're actually getting better every time, individually and as a collective. I mean, the, some, I mean... Uh, Emma Hicks and Katie have been around a while. We know how good they are, but you've got other people. Sammy Cox has been going really well. I mean, Hayley McInnes is getting better all the time. And it's I'll use Sammy as an example. She didn't play for a number of years. So she is a really good junior player coming through, um, took a few years off, has come back, and she doesn't look like she's ever had any time away from the game. Um, and I believe is training with the Island women again. So, like, there are players that come and go from the sport and when you see them come back you can always see their natural ability it's always good to welcome people back and clearly there's yeah there's always one eye on on the, the next kind of big island outing whether that's the interinsulars which obviously Guernsey have done very well at uh, you know for, for a number of years now or, or island games which as we know has been pushed back a couple of years uh, how is that going to affect both the men and the women's teams um, the squads are in full training again um, we're going each of the island squad the men's and women's are going to train up until the end of June we're both going to take July and August off and then start again in September um, we'd love to have an interinsula this year if we could have an interinsula in 2021 we'll be over the moon um, it is due to be scheduled in Jersey um, again whether or not we can do that is down to travel restrictions and if they're ready um, we did explore the option of Isle of Man with, when the Airbridge was allowing us. Um, unfortunately, that closed before we had the opportunity to arrange that game to take place. Um, so we were in talks with them. Um, but Island Games-wise, yeah, that's our focus. Home Island Games, majority of our squad are the wrong side of 30. 
some of us are closer to 40 and will be 40 plus <laughs> by the time we get round to it. Well, I, thought, I, was, I was sort of going to bring that up because um, if it had been an Ireland Games this year, yeah. I, I mean, like you say, our side is probably at its peak and what have you. I mean, in two years' time, is that a worry that you know, the extra two years in everyone's legs, is there going to be much of an injection of youth perhaps in because of those extra two years? We've got a couple of juniors training with us now, which is really good, like Harry Sykes, um, who his sister Emma broke into the women's side and came to Gibraltar with us. Um, so Harry's training with us, uh, Blake Harvey's training with us. So we have got younger players training within the men's squad at the moment. Um, and I think they give them two years. You never know what a 17-year-old yeah. is going to look like in two years' time because there's been stages where sometimes I see a kid out before the summer, I see him after the summer and wonder if it's the same person <laughs> because they've grown so much. Yeah. Um, and you really don't know how they will develop in the next couple of years. Um, but hopefully they will be pushing the older members to the squad. Like, personally, I'd love to be in that team, but by the time it comes around, I'll be knocking on the door 42. Should I really be making the Iron team at 42? Who knows? But if I'm fit and healthy and I'm still playing how I'm playing today, you don't know. And... We've got other players. Martin Yabsley will be 43 that year. My brother will be 40 that year. Like, I mean, he won't thank you for that. I know, yeah. <laughs> he, won't, he won't. But if we condition, condition ourselves and look after ourselves, you never know. And certainly the basketball community of Guernsey and what have you, it, uh, the Ireland game is such a huge thing, isn't it? It, it, it? You just love that week. You really buy into it. And I always find for basketball, it's just a great level of competition for us because we're sort of on the verge of medals. We, if we play really well, we could be sort of finalists. Yeah. But if we don't turn up, we, we'll be in the fifth to eighth sort of. So it, it's a really good level of competition for us. We know we've got the potential. Mm. We know we've got the drive. We know we've got the passion. The Island Games is the goal. Like, the women have been very successful over the years getting medals. Yeah. Um, with the men's team, we've had two fourth place back-to-back, -back, which is gut-wrenching. Um, but we love it. We're a family. We call ourselves a GBA family. And you've, been at, you've all been at Island Games. You know what it's like when we're around. People know we're around, <laughs> OK? And we're not just around because we're a lot bigger than and taller than everyone else. <laughs> yeah, difficult to know. But we're around because we're Team Guernsey. We will be at the cycling, we'll be at the triathlon, we'll be at the football, we'll be at the athletics. We embrace that week as much, or if not as more, than any other sport. And just because we love it. Yeah. And we want people to support us. And we've always drummed into our island teams, into our association, support everyone else. And they will come and support you. And... I hope everyone sees that from the outside and we see it like in the village in Gibraltar, people are coming up to us and saying, oh, are you Guernsey basketball, blah, blah, blah. What time's your next game? Yeah. Like we had Mary Perkins, when's your next game? I'll be there. <laughs> because she loves, she's, she openly admitted she knows nothing about basketball, but she loves coming to watch us play because she loves the atmosphere and she loves the passion that we have. And to have that in Guernsey, is the dream and a few of our team started their island games career in 2003 and they want to finish their island career in guernsey and i'm talking about my brother martin yabsley 
they start Paul Van Beek, they started they did their first island games in two thousand and three in Guernsey. Imagine finishing your island games. 20 years later. Well, I can definitely vouch for that passion. I mean, you mentioned the cycling triathlon. I think I've already said that, you know, the, the triathlon is going to be one of the highlights of the week. The, the criterium cycling is going to be one of the highlights of the week. Well, I think the basketball, um, you know, I'll be there every night. It's, oh. it's going to be it's going to be. If electric. we get drawn jersey, we're going to blow the roof off both of you. For oh, sure. Because sure, yeah. like, the, the setup, of the, it's going to be a stadium setup. Um, so we're going to be playing across all three courts in a lengthways. And there'll be a stand against the back wall, similar to what Net will do when they take up all three courts. Um, but yeah, we're having hoops flown in, floor flown in. Um, so yeah, it'd be a proper arena. And that's our plan. We want to fill that stadium every time Guernsey play, whether it's men or women, we want that place full to the rafters. Moving on from sort of Ireland Games, which is only really still sort of short to medium term. Um, what about the whole sort of future of Guernsey basketball? Because obviously we certainly know how good the Future Stars programme is, but, I mean, is, is that looking like it's going to be producing um, sort of future senior sides for many years to come? I hope so. Um, we have a great uptake. We have 150 children that turn up every Saturday. Parents are there. Grandparents are there. They love it. They generally do, and we want to make basketball fun for them. And at, from the age of nine to 14, if they think it's fun and they want to carry on after that, amazing. But the succession of future stars, which I have to praise, Pat Ogier, Dave Sovereign, Jeff Stewart, who are currently running it, the children coming through, you can see, are at the top end of Division Two. Some of them are now breaking into Division One teams and even Harry Sykes, Blake Carvey. They're future stars kids and they're training with the island team. So the potential's there. Um, it's just finding that, we were chatting earlier on before, like our generation that are currently in the island setup, you could, you could call us the golden generation because we've probably achieved more than we ever have. Yeah. Historically, we got to finals of the Founders' Cup in the UK. We competed with teams that we shouldn't have been competing with at the Island Games. We did OK National League Division 2. Um, and I would love to look back in 10 years' time at the t players playing today in 10 years and be like, you're the next generation. Yeah. You're the next golden generation. But it's finding those kids that have the love for the sport, that can dedicate their time to it. And hopefully some of them are six foot four. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> that that an advantage, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but kids today are bigger. They're definitely bigger. Like some of the 18-year-olds that are turning up and I'm just like, Flippinette, you're going to be a big lad. And it is good and it does help. But I generally think the future of Guernsey basketball is very bright. Um, we have a lot of hurdles that we need to come across. We don't have a sports development officer um, on purpose. I won't, it's nothing against the Sports Commission, but we're volunteers and we make it very clear that we do this ourselves. Um, we don't want any ties to anyone else. Um, don't have our own venue, that's massive. That's our biggest envy of being a Guernsey sports team. I look at hockey's facility, amazing. I look at Raiders facility, amazing um gfc have access to foots lane if we could have our own stadium that would be the dream but 
Short term, we know that's never going to happen. We live with what we've got. Um, and hopefully people turn up at the Ireland Games in two years, see what basketball's all about, and we can get something in place. Do you think there's a possibility of um, doing any more of the, sort of the national stuff that you've done? You mentioned the Founders' Cup and stuff like that. That would be one of the objectives. I think the benefit for us in the next two years is we don't have to worry about the cost of travelling to an Ireland Games. So that's what's the last three years, well, pre-COVID, the last three years, the reason why we hadn't was sheer cost because teams wouldn't travel to Guernsey because we don't meet National League standards. Um, so we're playing our home games at Solent University. Um, so we're doing double headers on a Saturday and Sunday. Um, if we could break into it again, we have the contacts. They invite us every year. We could do it. Um, we probably won't look to do it for the coming season. But with the lead up to the Ireland Games, there is a possibility. Um, it's just about having a squad big enough, having that funding, having the time to travel. Um, England basketball were amazing with accommodating our fixtures for us, so we could do home and away games. But when you've got a uh, away game at the tip of Cornwall on a <laughs> Saturday and you're flying in on the red eye, and then you've got to get back to Southampton for 10 a.m. tip-off on a Sunday. It's a, it's a lot of travelling. And as you can imagine, a bunch of basketball guys don't all fit in these fire cars. So we have a chain of fire cars going down the roads. Um, so, yeah, so it is a possibility. It's something we're currently reviewing and looking into. Um, but I would prefer, if we can, to get some friendly games in. And Adam Farish will agree with that and Pat from a women's point of view is that if we can get an interinsular against Jersey if we can get a game against the Isle of Man even if we travel to the UK and do a mini tournament something like that just to get us a bit more exposure because we haven't played international competition now since the last Ireland Games which feels like an age ago now it wasn't that long but we haven't had an interinsular since Gibraltar yeah. because they've been cancelled twice so. Feels like a different world, Gibraltar. <laughs> I know it does. It really does. It just feels like it was so long ago. Just, just before you go, Pete, just give us a, a, a quick rundown of, of the games to look out for then over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So mainly, well, I say Division One, but Division Two is going to be interesting because what we've done with Division Two, because they'd all played the same amount of games, um, they're in the playoffs scenario already. So we've taken the league table and first place will play eighth place, second place will play seventh and so on, till we basically then go to a knockout stage. And I think the next round of fixtures, I think the first round will sort itself out. We know the top four teams are likely to win. Um, but I think the next round will be interesting. And I think those games are going to be ones to watch because I don't know how much you see Division 2, but it's a very feisty affair. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of... Um, I'd say unfit's the wrong word because some of them are fit, but slower, older bodies, and it gets a little bit more like pushy than Division One. Um, so they're going to be great, and then obviously the back-to-back Mayside Skipton games are going to be the key key things in Division One. We'll um, see what comes out there. I'm hoping for a one win for one and one win for the other, <laughs> and then we're going to have to decide on the playoff situation. Um, but even the, the Women's League, yes, Ravenscroft has won five out of five, but LMS and Praxis don't want them to win anymore. They do not want to see a team 
go unbeaten during the season. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. We've got six weeks left, um, which is mad to say that we've only started two weeks ago. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be really exciting, I think, across the board. Guernsey's in the back, good place. We're ready to go. Like, just give us a name. Come and watch our games. Come and enjoy it. If you haven't seen a basketball game, come and watch a Division One women's game, development game. They're all exciting. Fantastic. Well, best of luck. We'll be following it, of course, in the uh, in the press. I'm sure Gareth will be at a few of those. Oh, my earmuffs on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, flat buzzer. Thank you for your time this morning, guys. Really appreciate it. Great to have Pete Bosier on the pod this week. Uh, Gareth really could be quite an exciting end to the season. Yeah, I always enjoy going to watch um, the, the basketball games because they are totally unpredictable. You just don't know who's going to come out on top. Um, Pete mentioned it in the interview there, though. The basketball men's division is um, done on a, on a drafting system, and I think it just works so well for them because, I mean, if, if one side for a year or so starts getting on top, they stop that. They, they don't have that. They, they want it competitive, so they then do a redraft. They allocate players to different sides and to just to try and make it an even, an even competition, and that's worked really well for them over the few years they've done it. Is that something other sports in Guernsey perhaps could learn from? You know, would it be too much of a stretch to suggest that could be a way to go in, in cricket and hockey? You could perhaps try and do it. Um, there's something about the basketball community, like Pete said, it is a family, and they pretty much all get on well together, so it, they don't really mind who they're playing with. Um, I think in a lot of club sides in other sports, um, you'll find that friends group together sort of thing it, it just so happens in certain sports friends are very talented and and they can, they sort of can run away with leagues and what have you uh, but yeah the basketball community is just um, very much like Pete said a family and they are able to do it that way well let's have a look at the weekend ahead now then Rob uh, a few more football matches to yeah, pick yeah, up yeah there's a full house of FNB Prio League matches this weekend. Bells go up into Aldney, and I'm sure they'll be hoping that the weather is clear and they haven't got to stay up there for about three days, which was the case, I think, two seasons ago where they managed to get have a horrendous weekend. Um, um, over here, the big games are probably... The Rovers host North at Portsmouth and Manza against St Martins at the track. Now, that's probably the pick of the games. Potentially, uh, Manza could cause an upset here, um, they, you know, particularly if they play as well as they did against Silvers last weekend. Um, uh, from what I gather, they'll have should have a full house of players. And if that's the case, um, you never know. If Manza get an early goal, Saints could be in a bit of bother. Um, do I think they'll win? I think Saints will probably just have the the edge here. They'll, they, they, you know, they're very, very good defensively. Um, Sarge. Lanuri has got them very well organised at the back and I suspect they just have they'll probably run the legs off Manza in the end to be honest because Saints are a much fitter side Jamie where are you this weekend? So I'll be down at their motocross track for what promises to be the highlight of the domestic season the motocross two day um, successful event last year I'm sure the riders will be absolutely chomping at the bit this time around because Motocross was, did not fare particularly well through lockdown. They effectively had half of their championship cleanly erased, starting with the Saturday, first Saturday of lockdown. They were gathering for a meet, had to be called off, obviously. Um, and they're also due to return to action the Saturday just before lockdown ended. I believe they lost four rounds of their championship. They're unlikely to be replaced. Can't travel off Ireland, but locally, there seems to be a nice buzz about this upcoming event over two days. Fantastic. Well, we'll look forward to reading about that uh, in your report at the start of next week. Gareth, for you, what's the 
What's the thing that's got you going this weekend? Well, I'm not sure if it's quite got me going yet, but I, I am actually teeing it up um, on Friday in the Guernsey Golf Union uh, annual team event at Lancres. Um, very much looking forward to it. My form from last week doesn't suggest that I'll be um, troubling the prizes. I'll be, be more likely looking for lost balls, but um, that's sort of like, it's just, it's, it's another sign that the golf season's on the way, which is uh, great, because I love being out on Lancres, even if it's just um, with my camera rather than my clubs. Who are you, uh, who are you watching out for there? over the weekend well um, I'm hoping my teammates do me <laughs> manage to get me out of some bother but um, uh, it's actually a, it's a very full field there's, um, it's, there's it's just shotgun start there's a morning and an afternoon sort of round um, I think there's 40 teams so out of that lot if we come in the top half I think we'll be absolutely delighted and I hear Gareth that they've been um, trying to um, alleviate the rabbit problem this week um, they've, they've done their first there's two nights um, this month where club members from both the Royal and Lancrest are going out um, it's called Divot Night they basically fill the holes and um, with with soil which is seeded as well so um, it's to hopefully get the fairways in mint condition for for the real competition season it's certainly not for me in the team competition but um, yeah so hopefully that's all part of the, um, the course coming into good nick Divot Night yeah, oh, does it go into the early hours or is it? <laughs> I, as far as I know, it doesn't. But um, basically, you get. I think there's over 50 guys um, and ladies wandering, um, wandering the fairways with their divot bags, which is full of soil, which has got seeds in it, as grass seeds in it as well, and they sort of fill in any any holes, rabbit holes, or previous divots made by people like me who <laughs> hack away at the the fairways, um, and just uh, to prepare it for the for the real competition season when um, when the, when the good when the really good guys start well it's proper community spirit there uh, on show uh, great stuff guys thanks very much uh, once again uh, we will of course be back next week with another Guernsey Press Sport podcast on Thursday and of course on Mondays during the season in the same feed we'll be dropping uh, a football specific show and we'll be back with that on Monday so uh, do keep your ears peeled uh, for those uh, as always make sure you follow subscribe wherever you get your podcast the Guernsey Press Sport podcast and uh, do leave us a rating or a review if you can it all helps to spread the word uh, thanks very much chats we'll see you next week